You're listening to Fitness Beyond Aesthetics. I'm your host, Estelle, and I'm super happy you're tuning in today. I'm a certified personal trainer and life coach whose life within the fitness world has been pretty all over the place. After becoming a personal trainer, I quickly realized that most people needed just as much help with their heart and mind, which is why I now fuse fitness and life, because the two cannot be pulled apart. In this podcast, my goal is to help you find confidence, freedom and understanding, and feel at home in the fitness world and explore self-discovery and life topics intersecting with fitness in ways you may not have thought of before. It's time you figure out for yourself what it means to be healthy and make choices you feel confident in that lead to creating a life you love. Welcome to Fitness Beyond Aesthetics. Let's get started. So in this episode, we are going to be talking all things nutrition, and there is so much that we will not cover today, but I do hope that this helps you walk away feeling more empowered to make your own decisions and not just doing what you see people doing on social media or the latest trend. I want you to understand food and how it affects your body. And I feel like the most infamous question I'm asked is, do I need to count calories because I've heard it's all about hormones or a question like, hey, I've heard it's all calories in, calories out. What do you think about that? And I'm just going to get this done right here. It's not that simple. I have found that it is a combination of both for most people and it is not responsible. So if, you, if you're if you seeing people on social media telling you this, it is not responsible for someone who does not know your personal situation to tell you it's a hormone balance don't worry about calories or it's all about calories. Hormones don't matter. That is very irresponsible in my opinion. So to me, that's a red flag when someone says that. Now that doesn't mean it's not true for you, but there's no way for them to know that it's true for you without knowing you personally. Now, I am also a nutrition coach. I don't talk about this very much, but I do know a thing or two about food. I'm not a practitioner, so I don't do things like lab testing. Um, I, I can't help you support your hormones beyond a foundational level. That is not my specialty. But if you do want to learn more about that, I recommend checking out my friend Laura over at Wild Lions Wellness. Um, that's her website and her Instagram. Instagram is Wild Lions Wellness. Website is Wild Lions Wellness dot com. Um, and if I understand correctly, of course, do not quote me on this. Go look at it for yourself. If I understand correctly, inside her membership, so after you've joined her membership, which is very affordable, you can order lab testing through that after I believe you go through a course of hers. Um, so you order the lab testing and she can give you protocol based on your labs. Now, Beyond the hormones thing, because I, I'm going to leave the hormones to people who study hormones. <laughs> Beyond that, calories do matter. Macros do matter. Now, you might need to adjust your hormones in order to raise your metabolic rate so that you can start losing weight with the amount of food you're eating. But if you eat less than your metabolic rate, your body taps into its reserves. That's what it does. That's what the body does. So in this episode, I am going to be helping you figure out calories in, 
macros or sorry, not calories in, figure out calories and macros. We're going to talk about protein. Like how much do you need? What's the importance of all these macros? Can you overdo it on kidneys? Because there's this, this talk going around about how it's bad for the kidneys if you eat too much protein. We're going to be talking about weight gain when you start eating more quote pro metabolically. Why does that happen? Can you avoid it? How can you fuel your body before and after workouts? We're going to be covering all of this. Now, if you wanted to count calories and macros, how do you go about figuring this out? So let's just start with the calorie method. There's a few different ways you could go about doing it. Um, there's lots of like calorie calculators online. I have found they're not terribly off. Of course, there is no possible way for them to know that that is actually how many calories you should be eating. You know, they base this on your age, your weight, your activity level, your gender. Um, so there's, there's no way for them to be like hundred percent certain. You'd have to have lab testing done to really know what that is. Um, but what I do for myself is I look at this number and then you can also consider like, well, how much do I eat regularly? So I'm actually going to share a better, more effective method. It can take more time to figure this out. Um, but I think it's just a better way of going about figuring out how much you should be eating every day um, if you want to maintain, lose weight, gain weight. So the first step is to weigh yourself um, because we're, that's going to be a gauge because if you're losing weight, you're in a deficit. If you're gaining weight, you're not. Um, so weigh yourself and then track your food. So I'm not saying um, you know, control your food. I'm just saying you're going to track it as an observational tool. So you're like, oh, hey, I ate this many calories and these were my macros today. So just eat like normal, but track it and just see how much you're eating. And I recommend doing this for about a week. The longer you could do it, the more accurate it's going to be. But let's just say do it for a week. And at the end of the week, if your weight stays the same, the average calories that you ate per day is probably your metabolic rate combined with your activity level. If your weight goes up, then you're eating a little bit more than that. And if your weight goes down, then you're eating under. So you can kind of gauge this by like what you are currently doing. Now, it's that is very oversimplified because there are a variety of factors, other factors you need to consider, like the phase in your cycle. In certain phases, your body is going to want to hold on to more water. Um, for example, in the, yeah, there's just a lot of different variables. So like in the follicular phase, you're going to be craving more carbohydrates. Your body might store more, more of those carbohydrates. And in order to store carbohydrates or turn it into glycogen, then your body needs water and water is really heavy. But then also our body retains water in the, um, in the like luteal phase. So it, it there's just variables there with the cycle. And then also the type of exercise that you're performing um, or if you just increased in exercise. So if you go from like sedentary or just not moving as much to moving like way, way more, your body's going to increase its glycogen stores and start storing more water. Um, depending on the form of exercise you do, your body may um, retain more water, um, also just be a little bit more inflamed because of muscle soreness. It's part of the healing process. Um, if you just began taking creatine regularly, that will increase your water storage. Um, protein also. So if you protein, um, I'm not saying protein makes you retain water or anything. This is a little bit different. Protein actually has a thermogenic effect. It's very thermogenic. I should say all 
everything is thermogenic, but protein is like more highly thermogenic. And so what this means is that it actually requires more energy for your body to break it down and utilize it. So that's where the macros come into play is like if you you wanted to keep your calories the same, but your protein was really low and you just kind of moved the macros and you're like, I'm going to have less calories or not, uh, not less calories. I'm going to have less carbohydrates and fat, but more protein. You might even see a shift there because protein is thermogenic when you consume it. So that's another thing to consider, but also um, our body can respond differently to different foods. So certain things can be inflammatory to people like um, conventional dairy. So dairy that's been um, homogenized, it's been in a factory, um, seed oils are inflammatory. For some people, they don't respond well to gluten. So it's very individual in this way. But if you know your body's like, mm, doesn't respond well to that, like it causes inflammation, then that could be one thing that would contribute to weight gain. Um, so taking all of that into consideration, you can kind of decide how you want to go about doing it. Um, if you just want like a quick and easy way, it might not be as accurate. Yeah, you can use one of those macro calculators or not macro calculators, uh, calorie calculators online and then combine that with, you know, am I losing weight? Am I gaining weight? How much am I eating every day? And just kind of go from there and just make those micro adjustments. Be like, oh, if I change this, what happens if I change that? What happens? And you can kind of figure out what your metabolic rate is combined with your level of activity. When I work with people, I like to give them macro ranges so people can eat what they feel like is right for them that day. I don't want them to be like, oh, that's not my not in my macros. I can't eat that. Um, and I'm not even talking about just like it's Christmas or you had a girl's night or whatever. I'm talking about like sometimes you want to make a dinner that's just a little higher fat or you just don't feel like eating that today. You should be able to eat what you want to eat. But keeping that in mind, there are certain amounts of macronutrients required for optimal function, which is why I do think they matter. And I don't think it's obsessive to track. I do understand that people with a history of eating disorders, that can be a trigger for them. So it might not be super helpful to track in that way. Um, but if you don't and you feel like you can do this with a healthy mindset, I do recommend tracking just to see where things are like an observational tool, because I found for a lot of people, this is this happens almost every time when I coach someone in a nutrition capacity, they feel hesitant to track because they've done it in an unhealthy way and in a controlling way before. But when I track and when I guide tracking, it's more to observe and be like, oh, so that's why my body isn't responding or that's why I'm not losing weight because you it can be a real struggle when you feel like you are doing all the things and it's not working, but you're also avoiding looking at what you're doing. You're avoiding being objective. So I feel like tracking can allow you to be objective and just look at it and just be like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. There you go. Now I have the answer. So getting into the different macronutrients, I'm going to start with protein and then we'll go into carbs and fat. So as far as how much protein to eat, I recommend trying to consume at least your body weight in pounds of grams of protein. So if you weigh 150, try to eat 150 grams of protein, um, 150 pounds. So from kg, um, if you are using kg, just take kg times 2.2. 
that's your pounds. <laughs> and that's how many grams of protein I recommend consuming daily. And the rest of that can come from fat and carbs, but make sure you're not eating less than 20% um, of your total calories from fat. So if you're eating 2000 calories a day, uh, no less than 400 calories from fat. Um, and when you are eating protein, I enough protein, I should say, when you're eating enough protein, it can be difficult to keep fat lower. So I do recommend working in some lower fat options. So yes, eat the things with all the fat, things like pork, different cuts of beef, lamb, eggs, all the good things, but work in some other things as well, like some leaner fish, some scallops, um, tuna occasionally. I know tuna can be really high in mercury, so don't like rely on tuna, but work it in there a little bit. Um, I get raw milk from a local farm and raw milk, it has all the fat in it, but you can, if you let the milk sit for 48 hours, all the fat rises to the top and then you have raw lower fat milk. That can be a good option. Um, I love non-fat yogurt, cottage cheese. Um, I usually get low fat cottage cheese, um, sliced turkey. Um, I also found a lower fat ham, like a breakfast ham that I've been really enjoying. So just be open to those different um, different options. Like when you go to Costco, Trader Joe's, just see what they have. Sometimes the things are just going to have a lot of additives that you don't want, but sometimes they don't. And they're really good. A uh, chicken breast obviously is a uh, very high protein, very low fat. Chicken thighs tend to be a little higher fat, but just having a variety of foods in there, a variety of proteins and working in just a little bit more of those lower fat options can help you to keep fat from getting really, really high. Now, there's been some concern in overdoing it on protein. Uh, you may have heard that it's bad for your kidneys, and I'm here to tell you that that is a myth, um, and here's why. Now, you can test, or I shouldn't say no, you can test, but kidney function is tested. Um, now, forgive me if I'm saying this wrong. Again, I've only seen it written before. Uh, it's tested with a test called uh glomerular filtration rate. So they test the glomerular filtration rate um, or GFR. That's what I'm going to call it from here on out. And basically this test estimates how much blood passes through the glomerular, if I'm saying that wrong, right, or gl glomeruli each minute. And these glomeruli, <laughs> it's going to be hilarious if I'm saying this wrong, and you know, um, anyways, these are tiny filters in the kidneys that filter waste from the blood. And there are various studies that show high, high protein diets do not change the GFR and that it's even more important for highly active people and aging populations to eat even more protein. Now it has been shown, I will say this, it has been shown that people with kidney disease, not on dialysis, may need to be more cautious of their protein intake, but those people are obviously the the exception. Most of us do not have kidney disease and are not on and not on dialysis. So that's the exception, not the rule. The rule is that high protein diets do not negatively affect kidney function. 
And protein is so, so important because it is the building blocks of muscle. And if you did not listen to, oh man, was it episode one or two of the season? I talked about how important muscle is. I believe it was season two. So go back, or it's not season two, episode two. So go back and listen to that. So muscle is literally, it's the, it's the, it's the organ of longevity. That's what it's been called. So we really need to focus on building healthy muscle and you're not going to do that on a low protein diet. Um, so now we move on to carbs and fat, and I'm just going to keep this really simple and straightforward. All of the macronutrients play so many roles in the body. I'm just going to focus on one. So carbohydrates, I like to present these as they are an easy, not stressful source of energy for the body. And I say not stressful source of energy because your body can get energy from protein. It can get energy from fat because your body wants to stay alive. It is fighting for your life. So even if you don't give it what it prefers to have as a fuel source, it's going to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I say not stressful. And I've said before that just because your body can do something doesn't mean it should. Just because your body can convert fat and protein into energy, into ATP, doesn't mean that it you should be asking it to do that constantly. So you really do need to make sure that you not just have some carbs, but have a fair decent amount of carbs in your diet. Um, now, beyond that, we get to the fat. So fats are necessary for hormone regulation. And they also help absorb certain vitamins in your body that the body cannot make. So the body cannot make A, D, E, and K. And these are all fat soluble vitamins. Now I find this so interesting and hopefully you will too. So there's water soluble vitamins or, you know, in the blood, um, vitamins that are just like constantly going through you like vitamin C, your body's just going to like pee it out. You know, like it's just going to come in and then it's going to go out. Your body's not going to be storing the vitamin C. But if you, let's say you don't have much vitamin D in your body, um, your body is going to store that or it's going to use it. Um, but if you, you, it's stored in the body as well. So if you're to constantly take vitamin D, you could actually become toxic in that vitamin. Um, so A, D, E, and K, these are all vitamins that are stored in your fat. They are not water soluble. Um, now, now that I've given you an overview of these macronutrients and how important each of them are, protein, carbs, fat, this seems like such a basic <laughs> basic concept here, but I really want to emphasize that you do not want to be cutting out a macro or even close to cutting out a macro because even people on keto could say like, oh yeah, well, I'm not cutting it out. I still have some carbs. Your body's in ketosis. Okay, that's not that's not what we want our body to be doing, right? Yeah, it results in weight loss, but that doesn't mean it's healthy. It doesn't mean it's supportive. It doesn't mean it's not stressing your body out. So things like low fat diets, keto, even vegan diets, uh, these are not helpful for your body. Keto was actually, it was actually designed for children with epilepsy because of how carbs affect the brain. And this enabled children who have been reliant on medication to come off of their medication. And that's great. You know, like if you don't have to be on medication and someone's epileptic, great. But, you know, if you're not, keto doesn't really have a place in your life. And again, I, I, 
I'm just, I'm saying this because this is my podcast and I can say whatever the heck I want, but I think keto is dangerous for the majority of people. Um, Then we come to low fat. So just because, just like I talked about how fat um, helps with hormone regulation and it it is the storage source for those vitamins like A, D, E, and K, we also don't want to be on low fat diet. So I consider low fat under 20%. I still consider 20% to be, that's like a borderline. So please like if you ha- can have it higher, that would be great. We don't want it like crazy high. We don't want it like 50% or I would say even above 40% um, would what I would consider higher or even moderate. So we do want it like on the lower end, but a low fat diet, like under 20%, your body is not going to be functioning well. You're not going to be able to think clearly. You're going to just going to feel sluggish. It's you're going to have like not good um, blood sugar regulation. It's not great. And then vegan diets, I, I I include vegan in here because the protein within a vegan diet is not very bioavailable. So while you might technically be consuming amino acids, um, your body's not utilizing it the same way. And you know, if you're vegan, you're listening to this. I love you so much. I was vegan at one point too. And I was motivated because I love animals. I really, really do. And I think it's a beautiful thing when, when we do that, you know, like we, we try to do something nice for the, for the creatures around us. And, um, um, I, I was very influenced by the documentaries and things that I was reading about how plants are so great for us. Um, but just within the past few years, what I've learned is, yeah, plants, like we should eat plants for sure. Um, but I believe that also animal protein is necessary for whole health. I firmly, firmly believe that, um, which then comes us to uh, comes us to uh, brings us to we come to uh, this idea of pro metabolic. And um, just in case uh, you're listening to this, I feel like the majority of my listeners know what this is. But just in case you don't, pro metabolic is another way of eating um, that uh, is claims to support the metabolism really, really well. So it's like rebooting your metabolism, getting it fired up not just the way you eat, but the way you live your life um, becomes in a way to support metabolic function. And really everything in your body is tied into the metabolism. So I personally do think that this is a really great way of a way of eating, but but it has become another trend. It's just become another trend. And honestly, I don't even like using the word pro metabolic <laughs> because of everything that's attached to it now. Um, yeah, I just really don't like using that word. Um, many people who find pro metabolic, uh, this way of eating, uh, see it as another trend. Um, a lot of people ha- who switch to pro metabolic have done things like keto, they were vegan, um, done things like, uh, what's it called? The low FODMAP diet, a lot of these different things. So it's like trend, trend, trend. Here's another trend. And a lot of the past trends they've used, this might be you too. Uh, they used trying to lose weight and the pro-metabolic diet is not a weight loss diet. Some people lose weight when they do it and you can lose weight using it, but it is not a weight loss method. So it can be difficult to shift your mindset from I'm doing this, but not for weight loss, you know, at least right now. So if you do want to lose weight, you need to support your body and the things that need to happen will happen in the order that they need to. So if you start supporting your body and you're not losing weight, 
well, then maybe you shouldn't be losing weight right now. You might start losing weight when your hormones get sorted out. You might not. You might gain some weight to heal and then go into a calorie deficit. That's what's happened to me. Um, I've shared before about how I used to eat very little. I exercised a lot. I was very, very small and I thrashed my thyroid and my adrenals. And this is not an uncommon story. I'm not sharing this to be like, woe is me. I have this crazy story because a lot of people do this to themselves. They don't even know it. And I've seen I, I I see people doing this all the time. It is so, so common. So I have had to gain weight, gain weight since then. I'm probably 30 pounds higher than I was at my lowest. And that can be hard for me sometimes. I'm not saying I don't like sit around crying about it, but I'm like, hmm, yeah, I definitely look different. But now I am much healthier and I can do a calorie deficit with um without stressing out my body too much. I typically do calorie deficits on and off and I'm losing weight very, very slowly. I'm doing that intentionally. And I have a whole episode on on this. Um, I'm going to link it in the show notes. Um, the episode, I actually did it with a friend who we were both into bodybuilding stuff in the past. She was much more into it than me. Um, she competed in competitions and uh, stuff like that. I never did any of that. I just kind of liked that style of working out and I wanted to look that way. So that's kind of how I trained, but I never contemplated being in a show. Um, she was, and, um, we both, like I said, destroyed our thyroid and eventually started gaining weight because your body reaches a point where it says no more, no more. And that's why a lot of people, they become resistant to weight loss and they need to take time to sort these things out. Like, okay, what's going on with my thyroid, my adrenals? Like, how can I support my liver, my kidneys, my body as a whole so that it feels safe again? Because your body's keeping it because it doesn't feel safe. So you need to teach your body that it's safe. Um, so for some people, they will say, now I've seen accounts like this saying like, you don't need to gain weight if you're doing pro-metabolic eating and you're gaining weight, you're doing it wrong. And to me, and I use this word very sparingly because I think it's just another trending word that people abuse or use it for their convenience. That is gaslighting. That is gaslighting for sure, because some people do. Again, it's irresponsible to say something like that. So be very cautious with accounts that tell you that because, well, you know, their situation, they didn't need to. And that's great. And that was what worked for them because their body is not your body. Their problems are not your problems. Their things sorted out in a different way. You have a different situation. So you cannot apply someone else's situation to you or vice versa. Some people will need to gain more weight um, and, it, and not just in a your body needs more fat kind of way, but in a way that your body can't handle the stress of weight loss right now. Um, so that's that. I am not going to talk anymore about the weight loss thing for now, um, but I do want to touch on fueling before and after your workouts because food plays such, not just food, but food and drink. I should just say like, yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? Those things play a vital role in performance and also making your body feel safe um, to do the things. So it really comes back to thinking about the functions of each of the macronutrients and what your body needs, what you are asking your body to do. So 
a lot of people I've come across, they think, okay, I'm exercising. That means muscle. That means I need protein. So they have a bunch of protein before their workout. And there's worse things you could do, but that's not really ideal. Before your workout, so think about what are you going to do? Like muscle building doesn't happen while you're working out. You are going to be expending a lot of energy. Where does energy come from? Carbohydrates. Simple carbohydrates are very easily accessible sources of energy. So why don't you have some more simple carbohydrates before you work out? And then when you when you are resting, essentially not resting during your workout, but like rest days, post-workout, what does your body need? One, you need to, um, what's it called? Put back in. I'm spacing on the word. I've been cleaning my house all day long. You need to put back into the stores glucose. <laughs> I really can't think of the word right now. Basically, you need to consume carbohydrates. So replenish your stores. That's what I'm trying to say. Replenish your glycogen stores with the carbohydrates, but also you need the protein so your body can build. So protein is really for post-workout. Now, where does the fat come into play here? Fat takes a while to digest. If you are to look at each of, the, each of these macronutrients on their own, um, fat is the most complex, then protein, then carbs. Carbohydrates are extremely simple. Um, of course, there's different kinds of carbohydrates, um, some more complex than others, but carbohydrates as a whole are going to be more simple than protein, and then protein is more simple than fat. So fat takes a while to digest. You got to pull it all apart um, in the body. So maybe don't have so much fat before you work out. That would probably be best. Maybe if you want to have more fat, have it in a meal afterwards. So some examples of this, like pre-workout could be things like orange juice with a little bit of protein. So like I said, not a lot. Um, honey, maple syrup, yogurt with honey is a really good one. Um, banana with a slice of cheese, stuff like that would be really good before. Um, after, we're, think we're talking things like whey beef sticks, turkey sticks, milk, Greek yogurt, cottage cheese. Those things are going to be great post-workout. Um, and again, those are not like complete meals, of course, or even complete snacks, some of them. But I'm just trying to give you concepts of here are sources of simple carbohydrates. Here are sources of protein post-workout. And even... If you have been looking at my program, Strong 1.0, it's in the show notes. Strong 1.0 is a home workout program, but even within that, I have a whole handout on nutrition and we, and I give you examples or ideas, I should say ideas for pre-workout, ideas for post-workout, a little bit of education in there. So if you're interested in something like that, you want to work out at home, but you also want this education on the nutrition. I also touch on habit development. Um not muscle recovery, workout recovery. It's the end of a long day for me, you guys. <laughs> Thanks for being patient. Um, then that would be a great option for you. And I've broken it down. So Strong 1.0 is $160 pay in full or three payments of $60. So if you paid in full, that's only $1.70 a day. And if you did payment plans to $60 a month, that's only $2 a day. So really, I think a lot of us can do that. Um, so if this is something you've been eyeballing, please go look more into it. It's in the show notes. I'd love to support you in that way. And with all of that said, I am signing off now. Thank you for being patient with my spazzy brain today. It's been a long day, but I still wanted to record this for you guys. 
I am actually going to go lift now. Um, I hope you guys all have a great day and I will talk to you later. Are you on the journey to achieve a healthier lifestyle but find it challenging to get all the nutrients you need from your regular diet? Look no further than Perfect Supplements. Perfect Supplements is a leading provider of high-quality, all-natural supplements designed to support your well-being and help you reach your health goals. Whether you're an athlete striving for peak performance, a busy professional seeking more energy, or simply someone who wants to improve their overall vitality, Perfect Supplements has something for you. They are committed to sourcing the purest and most potent ingredients to create products that are free of harmful additives, fillers, and synthetic chemicals. You can trust that what you're putting in your body is of the highest quality and genuinely beneficial. One of my favorites is their grass-fed collagen. It's fantastic for supporting joint health, promoting radiant skin, and strengthening hair and nails. Plus, it's sourced from grass-fed, pasture-raised cattle, ensuring that you get the best quality collagen available. And for you guys, they're offering an exclusive discount. Head over to their website at perfectsupplements.com and use the code Estelle at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's Estelle, my name, E-S-T-E-L-L-E. And what's even better is when you buy three, you save 20%. When you buy six, you save 25%. Stack that with my code Estelle, E-S-T-E-L-L-E, for that additional 10% off and you get up to a total of 35% off. Take a step towards a healthier you with Perfect Supplements. The link is in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I know you could have been doing other things, listening to other podcasts, but you listened to mine. So thank you. If you appreciated this episode, share it with a friend, family member, coworker, anyone else you think could benefit from it, even on your social media. And if you want to go the extra mile, leave a review. I know I might sound like a voice just coming through your headphones or your car stereo, but I am a real person as are you. And when I read your kind reviews, it truly warms my heart and it also helps my podcast grow and reach more people. Lastly, I want you to remember that this podcast is for you. So if there's a topic you'd like to hear about, let me know. Send me an email at estelcfitness at gmail.com. That's Estelle, the letter C, word fitness. So E-S-T-E-L-L-E, the letter C in the word fitness at gmail.com. Or send me a DM on Instagram at Estelle C Fitness. Signing off now. I'll talk to you guys later.